10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Welcome to Swansea and Twilight Show. Meet Nathan Ginn and what a show we've got for you tonight. We're going to be joined by Marianne Manello of Play Wales. We're going to be talking about why play matters. We'll be looking at who it's important for and what you can do to support it. So tune in and talk it out. Off we go. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And Borodar Pau, Kroisoyabatawi. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. Not sunny today. I do always try and make sure I check in with the weather here. I mean, you know, it's bright, but it's it's not summer. It has distinctly on the first, you know, sort of day of September. It has distinctly felt like, um, it, you know, we are moving into autumn. And I know there will be some people who have headed back to school um, already. Myself, I'm not back in until next Monday. Got an inset day on that day. And, and and then back into the swing. But certainly the weather today, I don't know what it is about the weather, but it's had that kind of vibe. We've hit September. It has felt, you know, a little bit like, um, a little bit like autumn. I don't know. You know, it it is, I guess. I'd have to check in when the actual definition of, of autumn starts. But I'm saying it's September. It's autumn. We are back at school. We are heading back in. And, and tonight on the show, we are going to be talking about play and why play matters and things such as play deprivation and whether you know this is a a thing that has changed culturally whether things are different to when my you know myself was a child you know and I think back and maybe you when you were a child you think back and what play was like you know we'll be asking questions like is it technological is it a um, you know? Is it to do with mobile phones? Is it to do with computer games? Is it to do with all of those things? So we'll be talking into that. And we are joined by a guest. We'll be joined by Marianne Manello from uh, Play Wales. We'll be joining us to uh, you know talk a little bit about the work that they do. To talk a little about, give us some information, some facts, some figures, and some voices as well, because they've done a lot of work interviewing young people. Uh, and and parents as well uh, to find out what their views are on play, what those um, what, what can be done, what um, they want to be done, and, and how they feel. So it'll be a really interesting uh, show once we get started. Now the other exciting thing that has happened, uh, you know, exciting, worrying. I don't know, like how to how to. But yesterday, or it started yesterday, the pier. Uh, in Swansea, well, in Mumbles, it is Mumbles Pier, the the other end of the bay, um, caught fire, and it was a really shocking thing uh, to to reflect on. It somewhere where myself and the children, and we go quite often. It's it, it, lovely part of town, Mumbles, um, and um, you know, it's it's 
up here. It's an arcade. It's got the lifeboat on it. It's where people go for ice cream. So, you know, there are sailing and, and paddle boarding all, all around it and cafes. And yeah, you could see, from, you know, from my window, I, I spotted it on social media uh, first and looked out the window and you could see the, the plumes of smoke and a, a significant number. I think someone said maybe seven, maybe eight fire engines, maybe more, um, had to head down to the pier to try and save it. And by all accounts, it looks like there was some building damage. And, you know, but, you know, I thought about it and I was thinking about, you know, this is the end of summer. Maybe that's what it feels like. Maybe it's not just the weather. Maybe it is the, um, you know, seeing that kind of very tragic end to, you know, the end to summer that the, the, the pier uh, was on fire. I don't know. It really, uh, really shook me. So, you know, that aside, we are feeling like uh, it is winter. Now I can see, I think Marianne has joined us. Um, and if you are listening in there, Marianne, you just need to uh, click that call in button and you'll be able to, to sort of connect you, to put you through, uh, to, to make sure you're connected and we can all hear you. So I'm just going to have a little look there. Uh, I'll see if I can invite you to speak as well. That might uh, be able to put you on through. Um, but, you know, as I say, you know, it feels like the end of summer. It feels like we are heading into it. I know in the news, we're going to be reflecting on the GCSEs and the results that have happened as well. Now, what we're going to do is just while we uh, try and get some of those bits put together, we're going to pop to the news uh, while we go and we'll see if we can't get Marianne on the line. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I continue with my series on home connection and getting the best performance. The question today is wired or wireless connection, which is best? In the past, the wired connection was considered the fastest and this would be the end of the episode. However, modern wireless speeds are comparable with a wired connection. So what factors affect performance? The first factor to consider is can you actually connect via a wire? Some devices don't have an ethernet or compatible port to have a wired connection. Being hardwired allows a more stable connection. You're not relying on high frequency waves to transmit your data and waves are susceptible to interference in the shape of distance from the transmitter receiver in human language, your hub. Then there are walls, furniture, other devices, basically anything that gets in the way. So the first tip is if possible use a wired connection at home though this is easier said than done you need to be reasonably close to your home hub as this is where the ports are and sometimes that's not a great place to work if you are after a wired connection away from your hub then take a look at using power line adapters these are two plugs that use your existing home electric wiring to create a virtual wired connection to anywhere in the building that has a plug socket they are relatively cheap and some can also be used as wireless extenders allowing you to create a better wi-fi coverage in dark spots in your home at around 30 to 50 pounds, it's a relatively cheap and aesthetically pleasing option compared to running cables around your home. Meshing is the next solution to improve coverage. More recently, homes have been adopting the mesh system. 
Meshing is linking wireless access points together to extend their range. All have the same sign-in so you can seamlessly move from one to the other with uninterrupted connection. Starting at around £80, it's a more expensive option, but if you only have devices that use Wi-Fi, this might be the answer for you. With most home networks, after bandwidth availability, interference is your next enemy. Always try to place your home hub in the most central place if the telephone sockets allow, otherwise consider power line adapters or meshing. Most modern internet providers give you options to buy these devices from them. This will guarantee it works for your network, but be aware this will come at a higher price tag. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is Teachers Talk Radio News GCSE Special. With many young people celebrating their GCSE results on Thursday the 25th of August, a range of both local and national media outlets have carried stories of success. Schools Week have provided a clear analysis of some of the trends as pupils received grades via examinations for the first time since 2019. The main headline figures have dropped from those achieved in 2021 when pupils' grades were awarded based on teacher assessment, but many were up when compared to 2019 figures. The main headlines for pupils in England include the Grade 5 or above pass rate at 60.3%, which is up from 53.5% in 2019, with Grade 4s improving from 69.9% to 75.3%. The number of pupils achieving top Grade 9s sits at 6.8%, but is much higher than the 4.7% in 2019. In terms of subjects, English has seen a bigger drop in top grades than Maths, on 2021 levels, although both subjects still outperform 2019 grades. There were also nearly three times more straight nines since the last exams, with 2,193 students achieving all grade nines compared to just 837 in 2019. Over two thirds of these students were girls, sparking some additional reporting on the gender gap in terms of attainment. 13 students in England achieved grade nines in 12 or more GCSEs. One of the biggest stories, however, has been the attainment gap between North and South. In the northeast of England, the proportion of pupils achieving top grades of sevens or above was 22.4% compared to 32.6% in London, whilst in the West Midlands, a fifth of students achieved top grades compared with one third of London students, according to the website Birmingham World. This data has prompted a number of stories focusing on school funding and what some view as the disproportionate effects of the pandemic on some areas. The Director of Schools North East, Chris Zaraga, 
called for an urgent recovery plan which recognised the different needs of different areas, whilst also highlighting the work done by the region's students and teachers in what he called unprecedented circumstances. Meanwhile, Ofqual Chief Joe Saxton, speaking to the TES magazine, has commented on the attempt to return to normal assessment. In the article, she notes that the advanced information issued by exam boards to help students sitting this summer's exams may not have been helpful in practice. Speaking to school leaders at the Confederation of School Trusts conference, she stated that it gave pupils just one other thing to think about. Dr Saxton also explored how she expects aspects such as grading scales to evolve in the future. The core points of the speech included addressing disadvantage, described as a key part of her job, with examples of maths and MFL questions being accessible to all. She also described the summer 2022 exam grading as one of the most generous in history, as Ofqual did not want to return to 2019 grading levels in one fell swoop. Dr Saxton acknowledged that exams would be changing over the coming years, highlighting that she believes it is a case of when, not if, we move towards online assessment, but added that reform must not throw out babies with bathwater and that handwriting is here to stay. And finally, exam board AQA continues to face industrial action from employees who are part of the union Unison. The strikes are currently in their fourth period of industrial action as a dispute over pay and threats of fire and rehire continue, according to union representatives. The action coincides with many of those who marked exams for the board this year taking to social media to complain of delayed and missing payments and some claims of pupils not receiving marks at all. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio GCSE News Special with Joe Fox. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Swansea, welcome to the Twilight Show, meet Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. As I say, we're just trying to connect with Marianne Manello of Play Wales. We're going to be talking about why play matters. Now Marianne, if you are listening in, I think I could see you there for a second, you just have to uh, click that call in button. Now some of the things to check is, of course, first of all, you know, the chat and everything really only works if you are on a mobile device. Oh, I can see someone calling in, so I'm just going to click there. This could be uh, Marianne who we've been waiting for. Uh, So hello speaker, who is it? Hello, it's Marianne Manello here from Play Wales. Can you finally hear me, Nathan? Yeah, we can do. <laughs> Sometimes. Not that, sorry. <laughs> Not so that. Um, don't. Also, I, I apologise. Every time I get a Welsh speaker on, I do have to explain to everyone that I'm I'm using the wrong phrase. I'm saying good morning to everyone, but it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's the it's the most commonly recognised around the world, I think, for it. So yeah, sure. uh, apologies. Uh, yeah. You, You'll notice I'm in a habit of saying Borodá to everyone rather yeah, than well. Noswetha because we're on in the evening. Um, but we'll get past it. Um, yeah, and thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, we've we, we've played around with the running order there a little bit. We've had the news. I did do a little bit of an intro talking about 
you know, some of the things that are important, um, you know, about sure. it. Now, I should check in with you. You're, you're in Wales. Whereabouts in Wales are you? I'm in, I'm in Wales. I'm in Miskin, um, not far from Plantrisant, just up the M4 from you. Oh, lovely. Well, I, you, you know, I was sharing a little bit. We've had a, a real, you know, it really shocked me. Not only has the weather changed slightly in this 1st of September, but the Mumbles Pier, which I can see from my window, caught mm. fire yesterday. And it felt like, a, you know, luckily no one was hurt. You know, there has been some building damage, but it felt like one of those things where it's really hammered home to me that it's, it's the end of end of summer now really yeah, yeah. and you know the weather has changed and the tourists have gone home and you know I feel like I've got another week left so you know general introductions there sorry listeners chit chat I do get carried away um but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself a little bit about what you do okay so I'm um Marianne Manello um I'm not a Welsh speaker Dwi'n Dusky Cymraeg I'm learning Welsh um and it's morning somewhere so I wouldn't worry um one of your listeners is sitting somewhere having a cup of tea a morning cup of tea so I wouldn't worry too much about that um I'm Marianne I'm the assistant director at Play Wales um Play Wales is a charity we're the national organization for children's play here in Wales and we work to raise awareness of um, children's need and right to play um, and promote good practice at every level um, of decision making anywhere where children might play. So we engage with children um, and engage with providers to find out um, from children about what's important about their play. And then we do our best to work with adults to help them make it easier for children to play um, more. And, and so I'm hoping, you know, as long as you are willing that throughout the show, you'll be able to, you know, help myself, help some of the listeners as well. We'll go through, we'll talk about some of the things that are play, why it's important, some of the barriers to that, and really kind of pull apart what we mean when we talk about play. Because, you know, when I've talked to people about this show in the run up, I think there have been some maybe mixed understandings i'm not sure mm-hmm. maybe people see it as a very childish thing so if i start off with and we did say you know that based in wales here and wales um, sometimes does take a different approach for those of you listening uh, internationally there are devolved matters in in wales so we're part of the uk but uh, we don't necessarily on everything have to listen to the government in westminster in london we have our, our own one um so they say about play and i'll go for their sort of the, the Welsh government play policy of 20, of 2002, which defines play as play encompasses children's behaviour, which is freely chosen, personally directed and intrinsically motivated. It's performed for no external goal or reward and is fundamental and integral part of healthy development, not only for individual children, but also for the society in which they live. So I've pulled that as a kind of a very... I don't know, a very ethereal, very kind of broad, you know, uh, definition of play of how would you explain? How would you describe play? What does it look like? Um, well, I think it looks like uh, the easiest thing to do to describe play is to ask people to remember what they did hmm. when they were children, um, try to get them to remember where they were, what they were doing, um, what they got up to, how old they were, and generally um, what it is to translate that that play policy definition is that children play because it helps them feel good. Um, It helps them to be active, it gets their mind working, it stretches them every time they try something new, it challenges them, it stretches them, 
it helps with social skills to make friends and break friends and make friends again um so it's it's for for children it's you know what the welsh government play policy said which you've read there is a fundamental integral part of healthy development and we would go once you know that that is that play policy was written 20 years ago and you know what we know there's more and more evidence since then which actually shows how important play is to children in the here and now as well so as well and you know you you come from an education background so you'll be very um, familiar with looking at outcomes and um, supporting children you know to to have optimum development which is really really important that we support children to develop physically and emotionally and cognitively but actually for children it's really really important in a fundamental dimension of a happy and healthy childhood and if you ask your average six-year-old um why they're balancing on a wall they don't say it's to to learn to um to walk in a straight line and and re reconfigure my body if you ask a 13 year old why she's spinning around in the park she's not saying because my body needs to catch up with my brain because my brain is is developing quicker than my body i'm recalibrating myself they do it because of it it brings them some pleasure um it's a really really effective tool for children to look after their their own health and well-being in the here and now there's immediate benefits for children and then for those of us adults who are interested in longer term developmental outcomes those are well evidenced as well which you'll be aware of and uh, you know I, I wanted to ask as well you know we, we talked a little bit of there about whales particularly and i know mm -hmm. that uh, you know play whales do you you know do you reflect do you think that Wales has a slightly different take on play. Is Wales doing something different to England, to other countries? Um, you know, as you say, I, I trained in Wales as a primary school teacher, mm -hmm. and certainly there was a different vibe, a different take on childhood. I want to say um, to when I when I went and then taught in England, mm -hmm. and, and having grown up, do you notice? Is that something that you would notice? Is it supported differently in Wales? Well, um, yeah, I mean, you've mentioned already to, to listeners that play is a devolved matter and it has been since the um, Senate Cymru or the Welsh, Welsh Parliament, Welsh Government was established in 2000. So it's been a devolved matter for, for our government since it was established um, over two decades ago. And the, what's happened in Wales is so in 2013, the United um, Nations Committee on the Rights of the Child issued guidance um, for governments worldwide around the right to play. So the right to play is one of, of the rights that's enshrined in the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. So most listeners will be familiar with that, I'm sure, and may be more familiar with education rights, rights 23, um, 27 and 28. But, but there's also play rights enshrined in Article 31. And if the Committee on the Rights of a Child feel that aspects of that, those rights aren't well understood, they, they provide further guidance called general comments. So in 2013, there was a general comment written around children's play and it called for governments or it encouraged governments worldwide to develop legislation around children's play. So in 2010, Welsh government was the first government in the world to actually legislate um, for children's play by introducing what had become kind of colloquially known here in Wales as the place efficiency duties. 
each council in Wales has a statutory duty now to submit a place efficiency assessment every three years um, and also to develop and implement annual action plans stating what they're going to do um, to fill the gaps um, that the place efficiency assessment has identified. So that's what, um, one thing that sets Wales currently um, apart from the other um, UK nations. Scotland is also in the process of developing its um, some place efficiency duties as well. Um, but Wales was the first country to actually legislate for children's play. So it is, it is slightly different here in terms of the legislative framework around play. Mm. No, and I just, you know, as, as I say, you know, I think it's really, it's, it's surprising sometimes to uh, people, and I would say also it's surprising to people sometimes in England, in, in education and, and in broader bits, that there are uh, things that are developed and things that are approached differently in mm. Scotland, in, in Wales, um, when we're talking about those kind of things. Now, one of the things that you sort of talked about there was, you know, some gaps might I term it as I know um sort of it's sometimes things are re, um, referred to as play deprivation what are some of the issues of, of not supporting children and young people to play in, in giving those opportunities well I suppose what what we could do is kind of turn turn what the, I, I talked a little bit about some of the benefits of playing mm. earlier so we would turn those on on their head um if if children aren't having opportunities to play, um, I suppose that their physical development will be impacted. Um, they may not be able to keep to um, a good weight, um, for instance, if they're not being active and they're not moving around. They may not feel as connected to their neighborhood if they don't have opportunities to play out. If if they don't have enough opportunities to to play in school, they may not feel as connected. To this to the school community and they may if they don't have enough opportunities to play in school you know they may not have had that br that brain break that we all <laughs> we all need from time to time you know to refocus to recalibrate to to refresh um it's part of a work-life balance if we kind of look at, at kind of play in in school settings but but generally um if if children don't have opportunities to play then their long-term developmental outcomes will, will be impacted on negatively and equally their immediate pleasure for life will, will be impacted. So it would lead to an adverse experience. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I find it really interesting then that this is, you know, is quite a broad area that you're looking at. So, you know, we, within councils uh, you know so are we talking about things such as play provision of play parks provision of play schemes provision of um just opportunities how how, how when you're looking at play you know i think of myself you know and i i don't know how anyone would measure what i was doing to play and admittedly we're talking sure. like 30 40 years ago yeah but you know i was i was in the woods with my mates you know with our bmx's and, and mm -hmm. things like that how how do you go about gauging that sort of thing so there's a few things and in terms of the statutory requirements on councils they actually have a template of um that that reflect the nine matters which are written in, in terms of the legislative framework and you've talked on talked about some of the things that they have to look at um, and the the guidance around play here in Wales actually looks at it from a quality point of view but also 
um, from a quantity point of view, I'll start that way, and then and then also a quality point of view. So there is some counting, there is some counting of of playgrounds, of play spaces, of um, I suppose safe safe routes to those spaces. We'll count um, the amount of play schemes in a in a local area. We'll count the um, after school provision. Um, and those sorts of things. But we also need to take account of children's experiences and children's views. So from a quality point of view, each local authority in Wales, when they're undertaking their place efficiency assessments, engage, does their best to engage with children and to find out from children, you know, where they're currently, currently playing, um, what they think about their play in general, kind of how satisfied they are. So there, there is um, a template play satisfaction survey where we're, we're kind of finding out from children what's good about where they play, you know, where their favorite place to play is, how often they're, they're playing, what helps them to play, what stops them from playing. The, the most recent place efficiency assessments have just been submitted to uh, Welsh Government at the end of June. So Play Wales is in the process of analysing play satisfaction surveys from each of the local authorities in Wales and we're and at, at the moment thousand um, replies to that so we're going to have some really rich information from children particularly because this will be the first time we're looking at the experiences of playing through COVID times yeah you know and I you that you know I I I wonder I don't you know I I wasn't necessarily going to ask particularly about COVID mm. but I think you know it is an important thing to bring up of you know because on one hand I'm, I'm imagining there was maybe more time to play we were not at school we were not in work but but some of us then I guess were at points were stuck in houses and mm -hmm. uh, you know maybe using technology more um do, is there a, a you know i would say in education we are still grappling with what on earth happened and sure. should there be a catch-up and was there a dip wasn't there a dip what was that you know what yeah. happened do do we have an understanding of what happened to children's play over that time and what yeah, it meant so for them yeah, so so in Wales, you're right. It's and and this is true for everybody, but particularly we, you know, we do have evidence from children that it was a mixed bag. Some children, as you said, reported in those early days of of COVID and and the lockdown, um, the associated lockdowns, that they did have more time to play, um, because they they had um, access to outdoors and they may have been in supportive homes. They may have had been lucky enough to have private gardens or or. Be, live in a, a neighborhood where there was um, some some open space but for other children they may just not have had that access um, to, to those sorts of spaces to be able to get outside or, or parents may not have been able to, to and carers may not have been in a position to to kind of provide those opportunities so what we're trying to do is to capitalize on some of the positives that happened during COVID times so for instance for a while streets were quieter the importance of the outdoors was really, really heightened. Um, children in Wales told our, our then Children's Commissioner for Wales um, that, that they were concerned about the amount of time that they were spending perhaps on, you know, on, on technology. So the, 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 
and and there were there were other good good points as well. Inter as I said, there, you know there were playful interventions in some neighborhoods. That, you know you may recall seeing painted rocks or fairy doors or a little bit more blue rope in woods than we might have seen from before COVID. Um, and and also I think the importance of play generally in terms of supporting children through times of uncertainty was heightened. Um, so the, what we want to do is capitalize on those positives, but make sure that we address the inequalities as well. So that for children who weren't living, you know, making sure that space is as accessible as possible to children to be able to, you know, make the most of the, of the time and space that they might have to play. Um, yeah, certainly, and I, you know, I, I and I think so. Sorry to cut across you, but I think when no, you you use the words caught, you know, catch up, mm. and I think one of the one of the most important things for those of us involved in play during um, as we emerged from the lockdown and and when when schools were starting to to open up, what was really important in Wales is that they Welsh government the messaging from Welsh government was actually around prioritizing play for well-being as children were, were returning um, to schools because they recognized how how much you know for, for our for our, all of our children regardless you know right up to the age of 17 they were reporting missing time to play um, to play with friends and for a lot of children right across the age range playing in school playtime in school is a really really important time for them to meet up and play play with friends. One of my favorite lockdown quotes actually is from a 13 year old who um, when asked what he missed most about school, he, he kind of said something like, well, it sounds a bit childish, but I really miss mucking around with my mates and hiding under the desks. And, you know, it's just kind of just a lovely, um, I think image of, I just kind of have this, this image of a 13 year old trying to, you know, kind of hide from <laughs> in, a, in a classroom and, and just kind of demonstrate that, that, that that's what he or she in the early days that it was, it was a 13 year old um, boy, but just that those were the things that he was missing in the early days of lockdown. And, and also just, you know, trying to remember, I'm trying to, to remind people all the time that for that two years of, of, um, you know, both the, the, associated lockdowns and as we were making our way through the pandemic yeah children's opportunities generally to to play changed so we may see children of certain ages returning to to schools and other settings you know perhaps making doing things that that we may be more used to seeing them do when they're younger you know so mm -hmm. if we think about things like when, when you said you know, when you were working in primary schools you know you you'll be familiar with kind of rough and tumble play when you know and, and that's for for younger well that's right through the age range but i think we we see it specifically in a certain and in, in early childhood and you know if children didn't have that opportunity to to play in that way during, during for whatever reason they they will still want to play that you know so it's and it, it may then be a bit more bumbly to watch as kids get older it's sometimes harder to watch that mess and that you know that that frenzy um, so I, th I think it's important to remember, you know, not just about the, the what was lost in terms of formal learning, but what what was lost in terms of the learning that children are con in control of when they do have opportunities to play.
Um, and, you know, I've mentioned sort of the catch-up narrative, certainly the academic catch-up narrative mm. that we have, and certainly, you know, I, I would I would say exists in, in England as well, um, is there, there would be a pressure then, potentially on schools, potentially on school leaders, to um, do things such as uh, find time to catch up on the free R's, you know, on the, on maths, mm. on English, on mm. things that they feel have been missed out on. So they might cut down on break times. They yeah. might cut down on after or redirect after school clubs, I should say, so mm-hmm. that they are now focused on handwriting where they were focused on, you know, sport. Um, mm-hmm. What would your response to that happening be? Well, our response is, is that, that children's playtime should be protected and that children should have um get in the same way that adults need breaks in in their working day children need them too and playtimes are part of a of a work-life balance um we know we we developed just pre-covid actually we launched on um in march the first of march 2020 guidance for schools looking at a whole school approach to supporting play and play time so it kind of went on the back burner for a couple of a couple of months unfortunately but you know in that guidance we we try to work with um you know just remind school schools that you know when playtime can make school more enjoyable for everybody really and so we're looking at um and we know and again here in wales we do have a frame a well-being whole school approach to well-being which has a whole section on play which talks about playtime being protected and um you know plenty of time to break up that day to give children time to to reboot so what we would be saying is that schools should be taking on board all of the well-being aspects of playing when they're planning the school day and and that the that playing and the, the the benefits that it brings children immediately but also long term need to feature as strongly as get all of the things that you've already referred to that are important to schools we know how how busy schools are and we know particularly how busy they have been in the last two years so what we want to do is is to try to enhance good work that's already being done in schools around playtime and just aim to to make everyone's time at school happier and healthier and good play will do that for everybody you know across the across the school community and and you mentioned a story there about a 13 year old and and i wanted to to, to pick up on that just because yeah. i think maybe you know when when we're talking about play when you know i was promoting this out there and i know you know obviously i have a background in primary i know i know work mm-hmm. secondary um and you know all the way down to to to, to play schemes that i worked in mm-hmm. uh, you know over summers uh, with, with two to four year olds but uh, you know i want to read out a quote and this is from from your uh, website um, and, and then ask you a question. I'm just going to read this out to you. Okay. Um, this is from uh, Kellen, age 12. Um, we yeah. just like adults to be okay with us being in the park when we want to be and know we're not doing anything wrong. There usually ends up being a big group of us. We all like having fun together after school. So I say mm. age 12. So is there an age limit on play? Should we be experiencing things? Do we, 
you know, demonize our preteens? Are we expecting they go to secondary school and, you know, in primary, their children, and then we, mm. we, we get them through the doors of secondary a summer later. And now, you know, it's all seriousness, all blazers and ties. Mm. Um, mm. How does, when, is there an age limit on play? When does it stop? Where do we see the, ben- the, the development, I guess? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of adults. There's a lot of memes around at the moment, isn't there, about how important play is for, for people of all ages. Um, in terms of for children, you know, children, the, the, the legislation um, is aimed at everybody up to the age of 18. The UN commit, um, United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child is specifically for people aged not to 18 and what we know about um our childhood if you like humans childhood is we have a long childhood to and and most mammals most animals you know have periods of childhood and adolescence to to play um to develop so you know we'll all watch puppies um rough and tumble and think it's lovely or we watch goats climbing on climbing frames and think that's beautiful and and cute and we forget that our our childhood is specifically long enough to enable us to you know to to develop and to and to get all of the benefits from trying out things from from exploring things from being um creative and yeah kellen's quote comes from some work we specifically did with teenagers um really just to highlight how important playing is um, and I'm guessing when, you know, when you talk about your play memory earlier about being in woods with, with BMXs, you know, I'm guessing you were doing that probably, you know, right into your teens. Um, and, you know, we, we, the, the tolerance of, of older children's use and being out in, in communities has diminished um, over time. And likewise, I think what, you know, what you've mentioned as well is that the, the pressure to attain and achieve um is is probably you know more um prominent now than in any other generation of um of children and that it's really really it's you know education is really really important we're not trying to say it's not but we're trying to remind people that learning you know children can support their own learning when they have some you know enough time some reasonable space and the permission of the adults around them to to kind of explore and be creative and be imaginative and yeah muck about really yeah and I, you know i think you know when reflecting on this and reflecting on the questions before the show you know i was thinking about some of those statements around you know freely chosen and personally directed and and you know no goal or reward and and mm. these parts around it and i i see that in you know i think most teachers would you know, understand that and expect that of younger children. And then they would see uh, at some point, you know, maybe into key stage four, I don't know when, you know, as you know, you sort of said there about the pressures of, of academic achievement. Uh, and we start to maybe see these young people, maybe when they get taller than us, in all honesty, with some sure, of the yeah. young people I work, you know, <laughs> they, they, beards. They, they get taller than <laughs> us. And, um, yeah, we, we see it differently or yeah. maybe we perceive it differently or we don't give the opportunities for play 
in the same way. Mm. Um, is that something that you were, you know, do, uh, how do we go about providing that? How do we change this expectation? Because I can imagine there are people within communities who would be very wary sure. of a group of boisterous 17 year olds in a park. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, part of the problem when you, when you kind of set the scene nicely there by saying, by ending the sentence with in a park, um, and part of the problem is, is that, you know, the, the places that we design for children's play and recreation tends to lean towards that younger age group, which you talked about. Mm. So when older children are in that space, they look out of place sometimes. And um, it's really interesting when, it went, the, the quote that, that Kellen um, makes there um, relates back to some focus group work that we did with teenagers um, to find out about their play. And they talk about, you know, they talk about play and how it supports their well-being and how they want to meet up with friends. And they say, you know, we go to the park because, you know, very often there's places to sit, there's some lighting. It, it's, it's a sanctioned space. It is a space that says you can gather here, isn't it? Um, but when they try to do anything in that space, they're too big. So, you know, so they talk about, you know, going on monkey bars and like their feet are touching the ground. And when I've kind of read the transcript of the of the focus group and I, my mind was just conjuring up. I don't know if you've seen that film Elf with um, Will Ferrell, but, you know, there's bits of it when he's you know trying to take a shower and he's kind of bent over. And I just kind of have this image of, I don't know, a, 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 a yeah, 13 year old kid trying to slide down a slide that's designed for a four-year-old so immediately it's you know we're, we're not designing um for teenagers so when they're in those spaces they they look out of place um you know we're not and and then the spaces that tend to be designed for teenagers um there, there is a very focus very often on a particular activity as well so a ball court a skate park for instance and you know which suits children who like to do those sorts of things but for children who don't like to do those sorts of things that again they're out of place if they're there or they don't feel part of it so it's i think that bit about public space it can be about how we're designing and so a lot of our work more recently has been trying to think about design features how we design with and for older children um, a little bit better and that but, but the design element is, is one thing. The other is really just trying to make sure that, that we work, you know, that, that adults are as tolerant as, as can be, um, because generally most teenagers, certainly in the stuff that we've been hearing from them is they just do want, you know, to feel like they can make the most of their, of their outdoor spaces. And, you know, that, that age group, you, you, you kind of talked about, you know, how, yeah, when we see a four-year-old jump in puddles, we think it's cute and it's lovely. And if it's a 14-year-old, we sometimes will have a different, um, you know, a, a different view. But it's it's that that age group is, it, it's just really important to remember that they are still growing and they are still learning and and making that, you know, trying to work up those growth spurts and all of that sort of stuff. So they will be a little bit more bumbly and a little bit more awkward. Um, and we were all at that stage at, at one point in our lives. It's not a new phenomenon that teenagers are loud and noisy and messy and smelly. And you know, that's, that's just, we, we've always been like that. It's, that's not new for us as a, as a species. 
And I would say, you know, on reflection of the, you know, I, I have a wonderful um, work that I am, you know, allowed to do with young people. And I, and I would say that my, you know, I, I, I work with, you know, potentially some of the children are, you know, far more mature than they, they need to be in, in certain areas yeah. um, and, 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 far, and, and want to present a, an adult way sometimes. Mm. But I'm lucky enough mm. to take them to woods and parks and beaches yeah. and things like that. And I, I would say to anyone who, you know, as, as mature as you think your GCSE class is, if you, if you take them to a bunch of puddles um, with wellies, uh, and no judgment, they will be jumping in them. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the teachers were jumping in them, in all yeah. honesty. And I think we yeah. forget that sometimes. Yeah. That, you know, there, there, there is fun and joyous kind of freedom in some really simple things um, if we stop thinking about be, how mature we are, I guess. Yeah, and I, th- I think, you know, when, when you were saying earlier about kind of that, that transition, um, as well you know so yeah GCSE level you know most older children are you know they, they still do want to play and they are still stretching themselves um but you know but they're getting to that that older older age but you know I think what's really important is to think about that tra- transition as you said you know in 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 July of one year they're they're kind of in year six and you know have maybe have opportunity have plenty of time to play in schools have stuff that helps them play maybe built you know we have loads of schools that um support play by having plenty of stuff at playtime and and they have plenty of opportunities to play and then there's a kind of a six-week gap when suddenly that that changes and so i think we we do need to think about you know the the narrative around being ready for school i think maybe needs to change to being schools being ready for children so that we're you know we're we're at a state where we're in a position to actually support support their transition from that you know nobody kind of wakes up on their first day of school and is suddenly like you say putting the blazer and tie on is one thing but that changing that mindset from running around you know pretending to be batman at at playtime does it, it just it doesn't get beaten out of you over the summer holidays that's you know particularly if if they've spent their summer making the most of having time to play yeah you you know and I think about it you know as you talk about I was imagining my year sixes and I transitioned uh, last year I think it was you know when I moved from second primary to secondary and I think about the year sixes who I left um, behind you know at that school and they they were playing tag in the playground. You yeah. know they were they were they were yeah. uh, running around. Some of them doing all kinds of things. Some of them skipping even. You know yeah. Yeah. children things. And then I I reflect on whether I I think or maybe if I li- any of our listeners want to message in or uh, you know are we seeing year sevens doing that? Is there something imposing about being around the 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 the, the fifteen year olds? Mm, is it mm. you know is there time? Is there space? Is there acceptance that actually yeah your year sevens probably want to just you know at break time play a bit of tag they don't want an organized game of football they you know or some of them might do but some of them just want space i I think they want a bit of both that's that's the thing and that and it's about getting the balance as well they they do want to be grown up and if you think back to the yeah year sixes you know you you do get to i can remember you know in my um i have four children and all grown up now but you know i can remember parents nights and every for all four of them at year six you know teachers saying oh they're ready you know they're ready to go they're ready to go sort of thing so they do feel like they're they're ready to go and they do want to be seen as as you know going to big school 
um but they still they do still want to to play um as well and and i think you know equally we we have kind of data um sur survey data from children in year six when we ask them about their playtime in school they say oh well we don't have time to play in school because we're getting ready to go to to high school so it's it's kind of even how kids perceive their playtime in in that final year of primary school is, is very often affected by you know their their next their next step so um yeah i think i think it's something that we really want to be promoting and looking at how we're supporting secondary schools to um yeah to provide enough um enough space and time um for play within within all the other things they need to do you know we're 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 very very clear we know we know what the role of schools <laughs> is we know what the role of head teachers um is um and we hope that we can kind of work together to just to yeah support children's opportunities to play more often now, what, in school one of the other things i wanted to ask you about mm. and and you know this is maybe modern childhood i don't know how modern it is really because i remember having a sega mega drive when i was a kid you know the, the <laughs> consoles have been around for a while now we talk sure. about modern childhood but maybe not so much on the mobile phones and things um but you know how does technology then integrate or interact with the idea of play is you know they're, they're playing on computers i guess so there's there's play there is it is is that enough is you know should we be worried about computerized play digital play compared to outdoors play um, I, I i wouldn't really want to use the word worry i think we just need to be very conscious that um technology is an important part of all of our lives um, and some of us, you know, I, <laughs> you see, I'm still learning it about it all, and hence my nine minute lateness to your <laughs> to your show tonight. Um, and you know, for for some children, you know, we have a generation of children who've, who've grown up about it and feel much more comfortable um, with it. But for all of us, particularly the last two years, technology has featured more strongly than ever before um, in our lives. And so while um, while children um, do have access to technology and and consoles um, more more than ever um, before. Um, it's we're hearing from children in our most recent our most Play Wales's most recent survey is children are saying playing helps them feel happy and excited, and sixty two percent of children saying they would like to play more. And within that those discussions, they're not talking about playing on um on devices but about nearly 30 percent of, of those children do say that scrolling on TikTok, for instance or watching youtube videos is stopping them um from doing so so i think what what we need to just be mindful of as as adults and whatever our role is in, in children's life is help them to you know, help children to get a balance and a mixture you know and a mixture of screen time can be a good way to inspire play for some children and to help them to be creative so not to beat ourselves up about it but it's it's like any you know anything any aspect of of um of, of being well and feeling healthy you know as, as parents or carers or caregivers teachers you know part of our role is to model or to 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 help children to to get a balance so you know we wouldn't we wouldn't have a breakfast of of i don't know chocolate every morning for for a month or we would you know we we 
because we know that's not good for us. So, so we introduce healthier options into, into our nutrition and, and our diets. And we, we know that moving around and being outdoors is, is good for us. So we, we need to think about how we do that. But I mean, I really, I, I wouldn't want to use the word worry. Um, and I really wouldn't want to you to place any blame on children for stuff that they're doing um, with devices because we all are. And so, you know, part of it is just about getting, you know, getting that balance right, like in every other aspect of our of our lives. Um, now, what I want to do is I want to play um, a cut, uh, just short ads. Um, mm-hmm. We heard the news a, a little bit earlier. So if, if you're OK, we'll just have a, a, a little ad break. Sure. And when we come back, because I want to save time, because I want to ask you for some, you know, we, we've discussed some of the barriers, we've discussed some of the issues. Um, I want to ask you some, so, you know, some positive steps that people could take away from this, some, some positive actions that we could be talking about. Uh, is that OK? That sounds good. Cool. Okay. Right. So uh, it'll be a couple of minutes. We're just going to hear from a couple of advertisers and we'll see you all on the other side. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I continue with my series on home connection and getting the best performance. The question today is wired or wireless connection. Which is best? In the past, the wired connection was considered the fastest and this would be the end of the episode. However, modern wireless speeds are comparable with a wired connection. So, what factors affect performance? The first factor to consider is can you actually connect via a wire? Some devices don't have an Ethernet or compatible port to have a wired connection. Being hardwired allows a more stable connection. You're not relying on high frequency waves to transmit your data, and waves are susceptible to interference in the shape of distance from the transmitter receiver, in human language, your hub. Then there are walls, furniture, other devices, basically anything that gets in the way. So the first tip is, if possible, use a wired connection. At home though, this is easier said than done. You need to be reasonably close to your home hub, as this is where the ports are, and sometimes that's not a great place to work. If you are after a wired connection away from your hub, then take a look at using power line adapters. These are two plugs that use your existing home electric wiring to create a virtual wired connection to anywhere in the building that has a plug socket. They are relatively cheap and some can also be used as wireless extenders, allowing you to create a better Wi-Fi coverage in dark spots in your home. At around £30 to £50, it's a relatively cheap and aesthetically pleasing option compared to running cables around your home. Meshing is the next solution to improve coverage. More recently, homes have been adopting the mesh system. Meshing is linking wireless access points together to extend their range. All have the same sign-in so you can seamlessly move from one to the other with uninterrupted connection. Starting at around £80, it's a more expensive option, but if you only have devices that use Wi-Fi, this might be the answer for you. With most home networks, after bandwidth availability, interference is your next enemy. Always try to place your home hub in the most central place if the telephone sockets allow, otherwise consider power line adapters or meshing. Most modern internet providers give you options to buy these devices 
from them. This will guarantee it works for your network, but be aware this will come at a higher price tag. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show. Meet Nathan Ginn here on Teachers Talk Radio. And we are joined by Marianne Manello of Play Wales. We've been talking about why play matters. Now, don't forget, if you have just joined us, we've still got time to chat. So you can text in, you can call in. But if you miss the start and you want to catch it up, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Amazon, on iTunes, all of those uh, podcast platforms uh, and if you want to find a specific episode you can go to our website ttradio.org slash listen back where there's a little search bar and you can search through for any keywords like play or uh i'm trying to think of a different one ect if you're a new teacher or nqt um whatever it is you're looking for you'll be able to search up there and I think 1,400 episodes we're currently on of Teachers Talk Radio. You'll be able to look back through and find loads of useful advice. Now, uh, welcome back, Marianne Noswitha. Noswitha. Yeah. Um, And um, I I will remind anyone who's joined us, uh, that is Welsh, I'm afraid. Uh, Mangled slightly through my Essex accent, but a a little bit, uh, just to keep it in touch. Very uh, patriotic because I have two uh, young Welsh boys who I'm bringing up to sing a different national anthem to my, to my own, unfortunately. As <laughs> is the way I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they will play rugby. What I'm actually trying to do, I, I'm trying to set it up so that I'll have one who plays for England and one who plays for Wales. And then I think I can probably get some film rights for that at some point. If they play in a, like a, a World Cup final, I think there's a film there that I can probably, that'll be my retirement fund. That'll be the goal. Um, so welcome back. Um, as I say, we, we were talking about uh, play. We've been discussing some of the benefits, some of the negatives, some of the challenges, particularly over COVID, that people have faced around play. Now, um, what is it, you know, if we think, we'll take this generally, broadly, uh, as a member of my community, as a member of society, as a parent, what are... What should we all be doing to support play in young people? Well, um, we've tried to make it easy um, for people to to help by um, developing a website um, called Playful Childhoods. And it's specifically aimed at parents and communities to help support them um, in ways to motivate um, children. Um, not that children need a lot of motivation to play more, but I suppose to support children um, to have better opportunities to play. And that can be at home. There's helpful hints um, for for parents um, in terms of how they can support play both in and around the um, in their homes, in and around their neighborhoods. There's some helpful hints for communities and neighbors, neighborhoods to think about how they can become 
um, more play friendly. There's some, I think, some nice advocacy tools there for parents who want to advocate for more time um, for, for, for children to play either in settings or in their neighborhoods. And we specifically have some new resources um, around supporting play for, for older children as well. So there's this that one of the things that, that there's lots of things that that we can do. I think the starting point is just to to remind ourselves how important it is. Um, it's vital to, to child's development and growth, but also their immediate um, enjoyment of life. And one of the best ways to do that is to remember um, either what we did as children and if we can't and we generally can think back um, and it doesn't take long. Um, or just to remind ourselves about when, you know, if, if we're if we have adult children, what they enjoy doing as as children and do our best to, to listen to what children um, are asking for. And, you know, 90 percent of children in our latest survey say they're generally happy um, with the places they play. So I think for that's really important. If the majority of children are saying they can do most things they like to do at the places they play, then we, you know, we, we need to make sure that that continues, that, that we protect that. And for the children who feel that they want feel differently, um, then that's an opportunity for us to improve it. And that could be just by thinking about where we locate spaces so that they're easier for children to get to. And, you know, children aren't asking for whistles and bells and um, they're, they're asking for simple things like, to clear glass out of out of um, play spaces or to slow traffic down so that it's easier um, to get to spaces. So I think that's really, you know, children are they're, they're pretty pragmatic when it comes to what what will help, you know, what makes it easier for them to play. And as I said, some of the things that they're asking for are actually quite achievable for us as adults if we listen to. And I think it was through the the, the Playful Wales um, website that I um, saw some some videos of older people, and you mentioned they're reflecting on it. Yeah. And it, it might have been multi generational, even talking about and reflecting on on their own kind of play experiences. Would would that be where I saw that? Yes, you did. So we we um, in the spring we had a campaign specifically aimed at supporting a better understanding about older children's play and it was called when i was your age and um yeah there, there was one it's a lovely i think what you're you're thinking about there's a lovely clip of three women and one is a um kind of an older woman and who says she, her play memory is uh, turning her um her watch back um oh, yeah so that was, if she yeah. had to be home at six o'clock she kind of you know turned her watch back and said oh my watch must have stopped so that those were in the days of you know kind of um when we had to roll our <laughs> roll turn our watches and and i thought i invented that trick i can remember walking in with my family sitting down at supper and my father saying we just started and i said oh you know looking at my mini mouse watch and saying oh it says 5 30 on my watch not six o'clock i really thought i invented that trick and this woman about 20 years older than me was saying <laughs> in the ronda valleys was talking about it so yeah, so that's where you would have seen those videos of of um, adults remembering what they did. And we've, you know, people talk about playing knock knock ginger and playing in the park. And um, and then we have a mum, probably a little bit younger than me, remembering um, kind of staying in touch with friends with a Nokia 
um, yeah. three six hundred or whatever it was, and you know, and, and with her kids just you know laugh, falling over laughing that that's that's kind of how we kept in touch with people at at a certain age. So it's, it, it, there's some really really nice nice clips, and and actually moving on from from those clips, we have some um, really I think. Um, and I, I know I'm biased, but some really beautiful short videos on that playful childhoods on the on our socials, our playful childhood socials, um, and you can see them via the Play Wales socials. But for the last year, we've been filming children across Wales, um, trying to capture the essence of play, why children love to, you know, what drives them to play, how important it is on their day to day lives, and um, it, the it, we are making kind of a, a documentary. Um, film and it, it's the purpose of it is to highlight the importance of playing to encourage more people to you know as well well you know both providers and parents and carers to encourage more time to play so on our our socials our playful childhood socials and our play whale socials you can see some really nice trailers and some yeah really nice teasers in, ter in terms of what that film um, might look like but, yeah some really beautiful images of, of kids right across Wales um, and filmed, you know, during COVID times. So um, some really, really important messages there about how important play is to them. Fantastic. No, I do look forward to seeing that because, as I say, if it's anything like the, the clips and the bits and pieces that I've seen uh, as well, some of it is, there is, you know, something joyous. And I think also, you know, when we think back of, of the things that I think are frustrating and annoying about uh, young people playing which you know I think is that you know sometimes they can be mm. you know scooters making a rattling noise mm -hmm. when I'm sunbathing in the park is, is a horrible thing for me but you know and and, and lying to your parents is a, is a terrible thing but as you say we, when we look back at it in, in 30 years time we find out that actually every everyone did it and it was kind of a part of growing up and it was playing with social boundaries and human interactions I guess mm. and learning how to interact as part of society which is which is really important for them yeah I mean when you know when we were playing out and about when we were younger you know it was, it was kind of our first our first lesson in in kind of what what we like to call you know rubbing together if you mm. like you know we we learned who we learned about our neighborhood characteristics we knew about the characters you know we all well, most people, I think, will remember who they, you know, the neighbor they could most wind up, you know, and then, you know, the neighbor that just wasn't worth bothering because they just, you know, they, they kind of wound up us, wound us up more. And, you know, we, those, those are things that, that haven't, you know, haven't left us as a, as, as a species. Those are still things that bring us joy and, and still important for children to, you know, just to feel connected um, to where they're growing up. Being, you know, being seen in in that space near and around our neighborhoods is really important, and and they're telling us it is. So I think that's what's you know that's what's really really important is that we may have this view of kids being indoors and um, you know in in their rooms, and that's that's just one part of their lives. They're they're telling us how important being out and about with friends is to them. So we we really really need to protect that. 
Um, and, uh, you know, so we, we, as we come to the end, I wanted to sharpen the focus for us back on to teachers, you know, sure. teachers talk radio. Um, and I wanted just to, to read out a, a couple of statistics that I had pulled from from your website. And this was 73% of children interviewed as part of the National Play Day research in 2009 say that school is their main chance they have to play with their friends. 55% of children report that they sometimes rush their lunch at school so they have time to play. And 84% of parents say they're uh, against school playtimes being shortened. Now, we'll reflect my my five-year-old is one of those ones who rushes mm. his lunch and comes yeah. back with it full because he wants to play with his friends. Yeah. Um, and I, I will hold my hands up that he doesn't see him as much as he maybe should outside of school. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only young, so he doesn't go sure. and find him on his own um so what would you say or what would you like to see from schools and teachers doing to support play right so i think that the most important thing is is the message from play wales is we we're very clear as i've already mentioned more than once but again just want to reiterate we know you know how important schools are um for learning and for teaching um but we also want to make sure that schools are supported as much as possible um, to make, you know, to support children, to make the most of the opportunities um, that they have in school to play. Um, you know, as I said, you know, we our inspectorate here in Wales, um, Eston, um, has highlighted that when a whole school approach is, is taken to health and well-being, then provision um, of time and space to play is a significant feature where, you know, where children are reporting good well-being. So having plenty of opportunities to to play in school is is really um, important. And we can, you know, we can look at the structure of the day in particular, you know, is really, really important. Making outdoors available for the whole day for extended outdoor access is is one thing that schools can do. Um, Making sure that there's, you know, adequate, adequate breaks and, um, you know, just involving children in in planning and organizing of of time and space for play. So, you know, as I said, we, we have a, um, some guidance um, called, it's a, a play friendly school, and it's a guidance for a whole school approach. And that actually, um, signposts uh, school communities to look at, um, at, well, to support more time, space, and permission um, to play. We know you, you've already mentioned the um, play and break time shrinking a little bit, and we know from um, research that's been done recently that, that that is real and significant for children. So the children over the last decade, the time for play in schools has shrunk. Um, so really making sure, you know, making sure that that 15 minute break in the morning, a decent break at lunch. And, you know, I really, really can't stress how important the, that afternoon break is for children um, is as well, just to give them a, a break from that afternoon. Um, and beyond that, that sort of what happens in, in play and break times, you know, thinking about the space, how children can make the most. So, you know, you were saying about playing tag and, you know, having enough stuff for kids to play with so that that, so that everybody um, can be involved. And I think that the biggest message is really not to withdraw playtime um, as part of behavior management policy. We're very concerned about um, the impact that um, withdrawing playtime has on on children. And so, you know, 
when playtime is withdrawn or parts of it are withheld or even if it's a um a threat of of withdrawal um you know that ex exclusion it, well it just creates a negative situation um it can lead to, to specific children being humiliated if they're if they're you know kind of picked out for lose for losing playtime for whatever um reasons in that just makes that those children kind of more vulnerable to isolation and name calling so what you know what we're looking for we've been working with um educational psych psychologists and kind of thinking of of kind of better strategies to support children's behavior so you know that, that actually and really what's the starting point is the principle that playtime is fundamental to learning and to the child's school um experience so it's it is a right and and it's an important part of the school day so what i would be saying you know if schools are you know we have um uh, initiatives called rights respecting schools we have initiative called healthy schools if schools are flying those flags saying that they are rights respecting schools and healthy schools then they need to for us they need to be demonstrating that playtime is protected for all children uh, yeah, you know, and I, 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 I you, you've spoken very fabulously and passionately. It's, it's something that I, you know, I really reflect on. I've, you know, I have been through um, the uh, play-friendly school part of your website, and I've I pulled off just, uh, you know, and I wanted to maybe talk through just a few of these while we had time just left at the end sure. there, uh, of, of the way that it talks about tips for supporting children's play. And I guess this would be true of um, parents as well if they were listening and, and, and looking to mm. to play as well. But some of these tips, um, you know, to put into context for any uh, uh, listeners in England, they remind me very much of the approach that we would take in early years in England. So reception class and, and below to allowing children to explore and develop obviously early years in Wales means slightly different extends on sure. slightly further um, but some of them that they talk through is you know some of the tips there are wait to be invited to play and staff yes. are sensitive careful not yeah. to take over I really love mm -hmm. that mm. As, as a point um, enabling play to occur uninterrupted so staff think hard before they try and step in and, and organize yeah um, and I, that's hard it's hard to switch into that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can <isn't> it? <laughs> I, I can imagine, yeah, particularly, and I, you know, I, I think back in, I was very lucky in one of my last schools where we had a play area that was, mm. you know, wooded. It well, wasn't yeah. quite a woodland, but it was wooded. Um, and, and, you know, I would see children trying to build a den and I would really, really want to show them how to do it properly. Sure. Um, but you, you kind of had to stay back. Um, but one of the other parts there is, uh, you know, uh, in enabling children to explore their own values and supporting uh, a sensitive, flexible approach that they uh, understand value systems of playing and sometimes making mistakes. Mm. I really love that, uh, and and just as I whiz on through the last ones here, maybe you know we can we can talk them through. Leave children to develop skills at their own pace. That sounds like the one that I was in in danger of most mm. is trying to take over and teach. Yeah. As yeah. a teacher, it is I guess part of my bread and butter that I want to teach and teach quickly. And and the next one then leave the content and the intent of the place of the children. Mm. um within safe limits obviously and then um, deciding what they play um mm. how much of it then it must be an incredibly hard balance for a school when looking at their playtime 
to not only, I guess, create places if you are, you know, trying to create a space, mm. um, because we will all naturally fall into saying, right, well, we want playtimes to be good. So there's going to be a football match there that will be organized. There'll be a, you know, frisbee mm. game here that will have an adult with it. Yeah. Are we at risk of that? Um, yeah, I mean, and I think that, you know, lots of schools will have those zones and they 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 have been shown to work best when that's part of curriculum del- delivery. Right. So those zones, how you know, those, if we think of if that, that it's I suppose if you go back to that, um, the Welsh government play policy, you know, when you were talking about intrinsically motivated, personally directed, you know, that that is that being able to do that for 15 minutes really, really helps children just, you know, to have that break from that formality of being kind of taught something. And I suppose it's, you know, that if this is an, a really good opportunity, you know, providing those opportunities at playtime, have a really good opportunity for schools to get the right balance between kind of what is learned in the space and what is taught in the space and both have equal prominence, if that makes sense. So mm. being able to learn at your own, you know, and yeah, if, if you show somebody how to, um, how to build a den, then you're shortcutting that process. Um, and it's so, so there's some things that we do need to show children how to do. And there's, there's times to, I suppose, um, interrupt if, if, like you say, if there's, if there's safety um, concerns. But the, the real important thing I think for schools is just to, to make sure that if if it is going to be, a, you know, to hold tight to the, the independent learning that takes place when children have some time to play. Fantastic. No, yeah, no, I was, you know, I, I really do think that is that, you know, a hard part for schools to sometimes and particularly with the larger, you know, the, the larger children, the children as they grow older, sure. you know, that this... Um, you know uh, what play looks like and what independent play and you know even what sitting and and, and chatting with friends can look like um yeah. can be incredibly hard uh, yeah. sometimes for, for schools i was talking earlier about some of the survey work that we've done you know to, mm. to listen and i mean i'm kind of i'm flipping in and out of different surveys really so i'm not i'm not going to bore you with but with um which one but one of the one of the surveys that we did a couple of years ago um, around play um, asks the question about you know where's your favorite place to play and then there's an answer um, and then the second question is what's the best thing about your place your favorite place to play and that's an open question and I think this is one that it's, it's one of my favorite quotes and I use it a lot but I think it will really resonate with with some of your listeners and the this um, it's a nine-year-old boy um, who who makes this this comment but his favorite place to play is um is is outdoors in a, in an open space and he says the best thing about that place to play is that there's plenty of places to run and jump and that helps him with his adhd so this is kind of a really for me a really really important message for for all adults that kind of shows it's, it's a beautiful i think example of of a nine-year-old saying i can help my own well-being if i'm allowed to run and jump and climb um it, it gives me a moment of, of being of being well and if you take away those opportunities to run and jump and climb then i'm not so well 
And I think for those of us that are supporting kind of learning across a school community, holding on to, you know, what children can achieve when and, and the, the, the contribution they can make to their own well-being. You know, it's a, it's a very assets based approach, isn't it? Whereas I think sometimes some of our services for children will take a deficit approach where we kind of look at, you know, what's wrong and how do we fix it? Um, and and we, we try to turn that around and actually say, if, you know, let's trust children. You know, my, so my sector is playwork and our, our kind of code of ethics, our playwork principles is very much founded on children's capabilities and children's competencies and trusting children. And of course, they, you know, here in Wales, we have a new curriculum for Wales developing and those children competencies are very much at the heart of that new um, that new curriculum. And so trusting children is is going to form a really, really important part, I think, of, of school experiences going forward in Wales. It's a really exciting time, I think, to to look at learning in a, in a much more holistic, um, whole school way. And that's not to say that schools aren't already doing that. I think I think there's this absolutely fantastic examples of of um, schools here in Wales who are taking a whole school approach to to supporting children. Um, you know, to, to kind of be in control of their own learning. And we just want to capitalize on that and support, you know, as many children as possible to benefit from all of the fantastic opportunities that our schools can provide for them. And so it's fantastic to be able to talk about this um, kind of the week before, you know, when people are getting new school shoes and school bags. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really nice, I think, way to, to, to remind ourselves how important playing is as we go into a new school year. No, certainly. You know, I think it is, you know, it is time. Well, you know, I have spent the summer reflecting. I know you joked earlier about not having chocolate for every breakfast, but I, you know, I have, I have done that with my boys this summer, um, you know, but we will have a more healthy lifestyle as we go in, you know, with our new school shoes. I've actually taken them to have their new school haircuts today and everything. So we, we are getting there. It yeah. is nearly that time. Now, if people want to reach out to you, or, you know, or, or find out more information, there's the Play Wales website. Yes, Play Wales and Quiet and uh, Quiet Cymru website, and well. and that's playwales.org.uk. That's right, and then the the website kind of aimed at parents and communities is Playful Childhoods. Dot Wales. Dot Wales, fantastic, and you are on social media. You know, I've tagged you in a few of our tweets yeah. as well, well uh, um, awesome. at Play Wales. Uh, and, and across some of the other ones as well. And if people are keeping an ear out for the documentary, um, when is it released, I guess? Is that the right? well, when is it launched? We're hoping in the autumn. It's still going. We, because it was filmed during COVID times, we had some interesting kind of setbacks, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, due to people needing to isolate or um, not being able to, to get out. Um, and then we, um, we were also filming during some of our red weather alerts, um, in the winter so things have slowed a little bit but um it's being edited um now and so yeah sometime in the autumn and um, so yeah if, you, if you're interested in knowing more just yeah keep an eye on the on the play whales and playful childhood socials and um yeah I'm, i can't i can't wait to see it and then i can't wait to show it and then i can't wait to talk about it and because uh, <laughs> it's some um, some just beautiful some beautiful yeah. beautiful shots and and voices of children it's a fantastic piece yeah i think you know and i think it's one of those things that we you know you're the 
you know, it will be of value in a hundred years' time when we look back on these times as well and, and see how things have changed and, you know, that document documenting and documentary of of stuff. So it really is wonderful. Um, now, um, I, I will say thank you. I will say to our listeners, um, if you want to find this episode, if you've only just joined us at the end, we are live, obviously, but we are going. Uh, you will be able to find this shortly after the show once it's published on uh, uh, Spotify, on iTunes, however you get your podcasts. It will be there. And, of course, at ttradio.org slash listen back will be uh, top of the list for a short time until our next shows tomorrow will be bumped down a little bit. But there is a search bar where you can type in the word play and we should be top of that list, I reckon, in the search results for episodes of teachers talk radio on play we'll search for some other stuff if you want to while you're there now um marianne i'll say uh because i am off to bed so it's good night now <laughs> so um uh, thank you so much for your time thank you and good night and good night to our listeners i'll see you again same time next week uh, where we'll be having more conversations about education good night good night You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.